If you were born between 1969 and 1984, you are a part of the 65 million Gen Xers. And you've just found your new family. Welcome to the Carolina Underground. Gen X perspectives on rapidly changing technology, history, media, politics. How they come together and influence every aspect of daily life. The world we were raised in has ceased to exist, but we haven't. Let's do it. Welcome to the Carolina Underground. Now your hosts, Mark and Mike. Yo, 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 we're setting up here under the mistletoe, watching people take the Christmas tree decorations down here on the Carolina Underground in the Replica Bat Cave, getting ready for a brand new year of pissing people off. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's if good to have a goal, I reckon. If, if you can't tell, I've had about seven cups of coffee already today, and I'm ready to rock and roll. <laughs> well, good on you, man. How have you been? I've been pretty good. I've I've just been sitting at home drinking hot drinks and being all fat and sassy. Well, all right. Well, I we have not had a chance to speak since I came back from going down and doing our first on on location. Um, and I, uh, you know, with the Costa Rican stones, and right. uh, I, and I've got plenty of pictures. I know we probably need to get together and and look at the pictures and and talk about it. Um, you know, it there there. I gotta say, uh, you know, and I'm happy to go into it and talk all about it and tell you. I, I gotta say that it was my in my interpretation of it and what I saw firsthand is a little bit on a little bit different than okay. what you get on like okay your, uh, well first off why don't you explain what it is because until you had mentioned this and uploading or upcoming into your trip into costa rica i had hmm. never heard of them well okay so the costa rican stones are these um well, some folks will refer to them as perfectly rounded. I mean, they're big rocks. They're boulders. Okay. Some now, of them are. I'm, I'm going to pause you real quick. For our loyal sure. listener, Costa Rica, that's a whole nother country. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's, it's situated between Nicaragua and Panama. But, How far uh, is that from Panama now? That's north of the Panama Canal. It is north of the Pan. It, well, it's north of Panama, which is where the Panama Canal. Well, is. yeah, I don't that, really that, have that middle section there. Mm -hmm. Is a little hazy. I just consider that illegal aliens coming into the United States. Well, actually, that's not the case, and they actually have a huge problem there with illegal aliens coming into Costa Rica, uh, and that's why they've got uh, a lot of. Uh, Every every house has bars on the windows, and their entire yard is gated. Oh wow! And fenced well, in. you know, I have I used to work for a company that had offices in the main city and the in the uh, capital city of Costa Rica, mm -hmm. and I had gone down there a time or two, and it's beautiful country, amazing oh, yeah, coffee. Absolutely. I love their coffee. I couldn't. I dumped oh, yeah. out clothes just to bring coffee back in my suitcase. Oh yeah, I brought back about six pounds of coffee. Oh yeah, it's uh, that anybody that thinks Colombian coffee is the epitome of oh, coffee no. has not ever had Costa Rican coffee. Well, the people that drink Colombian coffee are the same ones that picks them coffee beans out of that cat shit and grinds it up and drinks <laughs> that stuff too. Yeah, the, the one. Yeah, the, the, it's actually a weasel, weasel poop. But yeah, the uh, but no, I mean again, and it's and 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 for those of you that wonder what Costa Rica looks like, if you saw any of the if you saw the any of the Jurassic Park movies, they were filmed in Costa Rica. Honestly, I didn't know that. Yeah, and well, they actually talk about that when in when they the the second movie they talk about um, the that they owned the they owned two islands off the coast of Costa Rica. Oh, okay. Well, okay. Because one of them's Isle Nebula and yeah. something else. Isla Nublar and Isla Sorna. 
So one of them, you, you know, know that after the Slade. first two or three of them, that's something that I never really did care for is them Jurassic Park movies. I think it it's like beating a dead horse. You just keep it's it's just like King Kong and Godzilla. They're dead. Oh, Give yeah. it a break. Oh, yeah. Well, no, I I agree, but I mean, again, the you know the the original one, the big problem was they spent too much time not focusing on the dinosaurs, and well, then on the second and the third one. The problem was is they didn't follow the book. If they would have followed the book, it would have mm-hmm. been a lot better. Well, I, you know, there's no doubt. I mean, again, that's one of those things where if the movie comes first, then the book is always a pale reflection of what the original movie was. But right. if the book comes first, the movie is always a pale reflection of what – because it's somebody's interpretation. Right. Well, what, and, you know, too, though, that's yeah. also – that's one of the reasons why now if I buy a book and I'm going to read it, I also buy, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't only buy like either the Kindle or the hardback or the paperback. Also, mm-hmm. whatever title I buy, I also buy on uh, uh, Audible because mm-hmm. even though it's the same words, the person that's reading it, the way they have their intonations and stuff, I end up picking up details that I probably ordinarily would not have picked up on if I was reading it myself, if that makes sense. Oh, no, it makes absolute sense. But again, that is someone else's interpretation of the work. And your interpretation may be entirely different. Correct. Speaking of which, one of my it is now uh, one of my prized possessions in my library. I picked up a uh, version of, Ma- of Don Quixote de la Mancha in the original Spanish. Oh, wow. So, yeah. I pickled that. That is the story of my life. One windmill after another. I can't resist them. And Don uh, Quixote was one of the, um, one of the books in school that I had a love hate relationship. And why pray tell is that? Well, that was at the age to where the book was like six gazillion pages long. And I didn't ever feel like I was going to get done with it. And then the test that when we took the test, there was no point in reading the book because the test was based on questions from the movie, Don Quixote, Man of La Mancha. Well, now that is intriguing. Because Uh, we all had to learn the song Dulcinea. Oh, yeah. I have dreamed thee too long, never seen thee nor touched thee, but known thee with all of my heart. Yep. Yep. That is a, but it's a beautiful song. It truly it, well, I mean, the book, and I have read it since then, not in Spanish, mm-hmm. but in English. And mm-hmm. uh, the book is fantabulous. fantabulous. God, I oh, yeah. Know. It's fabulous. Oh, yeah. But uh, mm-hmm. it's just that that first, and it's kind of like, well, you know, this was also the same class where we had to learn the introduction to the Canterbury Tales in Old English. Oh, Yes. Uh, one that a prowl hath shured sooth Because the root oh. of March have perished to the root and bothered yeah. every vein in Swiss lake or of which Mertu engendered <laughs> has that floored. Once a fitter snake with sweated breath inspired hath in every holt and ate the tender croppies, and the young son hath in the ram is half coarse erones. So pricketh him notorious garages at long and folk to goon on pilgrimages. I can say it to this day. (laughs) Uh, Yep. It obviously made an impression on you. Uh, It it did. And it's just like I audited a Spanish, uh, Spanish, God almighty, audited a French class. And the only thing Mm -hmm. I can say in French is la je de mon alpha bay dita moisi sine pas gay. (laughs) And, you know, I found out one thing interesting. If, because, you know, I and I must be the aberration because I graduated high school, got into college, graduated college, and mm-hmm. I never took a foreign language until I got to college. No, that's the thing that is really, uh, it's really, a, and this was one of the things that I noted while I was down there in Costa Rica. It is really an indictment of the American educational system. The American educational system really truly does want to produce people that are only smart enough to pay their taxes and perform a function. They really don't want you to be educated. And that was one of the things that was so apparent that pretty much everybody down there uh, had been educated in English in some form or fashion, Mm -hmm. because again, English was the language of commerce until 
uh, here recently. Well, that's kind of weird. I would figure that in that area, the language of commerce would have been like Castilian Spanish, since it was conquistadors in Spain that pretty much. uh, Well, no, I'm talking about the worldwide. Oh, 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 okay. So you're talking modern, modern day, modern day. Well, in, in, in modern day, I think we're we're getting away from that, and soon it's going to be the the language of commerce is going to be uh, Mandarin Chinese. Uh, but I'd rather deal with them Russians. Oh, I'd rather I deal. With I'd, I would trust a Russian because Russian a lot further, and I ch- trust them little Chinese bastards. Well, that is one of the interesting things that I uh, read not too terribly long ago. They were talking about you know the currency. Uh, the social currency in the United States is kindness or considered to be kindness. The, 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 the uh, social currency in Russia is no damn wonder we broke. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, again, but that's one of the things where it's like, if you ask somebody, you know, if you ask somebody in Russia, do these pants make me look fat? uh, The, they're going to tell you, no, it's not the pants. It's your fat ass. Okay. But I must uh, be Russian. Yeah, well, I mean, again, you and I are cut from similar cloth uh, on that nature. But I'm but anyway, the Deutsch, and that's well, all the German I got, baby. So that's it. <laughs> all right, so I won't go into anything in German then. But yeah, uh, back to but, but, but back my to, point was is I tended to learn more, like Spanish. Mm-hmm. I tended to learn more being in situations because when I was in college, it was in a predominantly area to where they speak a lot of Spanish in the United States. Mm-hmm. Well, I had to pick up on different sayings and phrases and stuff like that. And it mm-hmm. was a lot easier to learn than out of a dad blame book. Well, that's the thing. One of the things that I can comment is that uh, I have, I, I've, I've studied French, I've studied German and I've studied Spanish. Mm-hmm. Uh, and until I was actually down there uh, and in the environment, like you described, where the, the majority of what was being said was in Spanish, um, that Spanish was, it was academic, but it was not useful. But right. the, and because usually thing, the questions and stuff and the way you learn to say it mm-hmm. has absolutely no practical application whatsoever. Right. Absolutely. Now, but again, the intriguing thing is as those um, brain cells started coming into effect, I could feel the different part of my brain being activated. And um, I mean, it was actually the, the my, my uh, girlfriend who is Costa Rican was really amazed at how quickly I started picking it up. But again, it was a, I could feel it in a different part of my head. Uh, and the way that that was described was uh, listening to the music and hearing the music that I did not hear before, gotcha. uh, which I thought was a lovely way of putting it. But the, the, uh, now that I'm back in the States, I'm, I'm very sad to say that that part of my brain now seems to be going back to sleep. Well, there ain't but, too much here to listen to because it all sucks. Well, there you go. But, but we promised we wasn't going to go into that on this episode. Absolutely. So I'll go back to uh, what we were talking about previously before we got derailed on uh, coffee and Don Quixote. So, love the book. Um, oh yeah, we should talk about that at some other point. But um, that's, at that's, any rate, you know that's that's they on this season. Let's make it to where at least one episode a month we pick a book and we just dissect the book and go over all the, you know, just all the nuances and stuff of the book. Well, I, yeah, I think that's a good idea. I think we can do that. We'll have our own little book club thing, I guess, going. But back to the Costa Rican stones, which Costa we've Rican been derailed. Stones. And we're not, um, and it's not bit. referring to, like, it's not a music group like the Rolling Stones. No, it's not. But that would be an intriguing thing to do. Um, now, so... There was a pre-Aztec, pre-Incan society that are referred to as the Olmecs. Can I say one more thing before we go any further? How can I stop you? (laughs) (laughs) I learned something. I watched something. I can't remember where I picked it up at. I don't remember if it was here. It was some documentary. 
mm-hmm. that what we refer to the Aztecs is not how they referred to their own selves. No, it I, was yeah, the Mexicas or something like that was what they were actually called themselves. Sure. And that's probably very accurate. I'm not going to argue with that because I'm sure that the I'm sure that the Incas didn't call themselves the Inca, and I'm sure that yeah. You know, I mean, again, typically most of the uh, tribal names translate to the human beings, and everybody else is all the rest of y'all, or you know, uh, bastards, or you know, foreigners right. or barbarians. But so we, you, we, we have, if, as people, we tend to have a tendency to call us, us, and everybody else, them. So, but at any rate, so these Olmecs were the society that worked with these large stones and uh-huh. built like Pumapunku and, well, now again, that's not in Costa Rica. That's a different area, but places that's like Peru, that, those yeah, that's Peru. But these, that it was a, I think it was a similar group of people. And again, some of these stones are extremely large. Now, the thing that happened is, of course, we had the uh, colonialization period where the conquistadors went through and wiped out, and of course, gave syphilis and smallpox to the indigenous peoples and wiped out a lot of the indigenous population of uh, South and Central America, as well as North America. Mm-hmm. But um, then came after the colonialization period, then you, of course, had the, uh, you know, where they had the plantations built and all that stuff. And so a lot of this stuff that was, you know, that existed from these uh, these ancient civilizations, nobody cared because the big problem was as they were plowing the rows to plant their bananas or whatever, or their palm trees, mm-hmm. you know, they were hitting these big rocks with their plow and it was damaging their plow and all that stuff. So nobody cared. So a right. lot of these things were dug up, scattered and discarded and <coughs> they were right. nuisances. Right. Exactly. And then somewhere along the way, somebody looked at it and went, well, now, wait a minute, this is not a naturally occurring phenomenon. And the thing that, you know, so, so, and the, the gentleman that I was, uh, that I went on the tour with was an architect and he was talking to me about the architecture of their dwellings, which was based on a, uh, base 12 system, similar to what you have in ancient Mesopotamia, okay. uh, things of that nature. So there's, there's, there's that thread as well. Do we use the base together. 12 system here? No, we use a base 10. Base 10, okay. And, uh, you know, it's really interesting why, I mean, because we have 10 fingers and 10 toes. So why would we use a base 12 system? But, you know, there's actually some reasoning behind that. But the thing that intrigued me about this, now, if you if you watch uh, the, you know, some of the some of these things, uh, they, they, it like, you know, some of these other shows that talk about these out of place ancient artifacts and things of that nature, they refer to them as all being perfectly round. Now there are some that are perfectly round. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's a lot more of them probably, well, I don't know if a lot more, but a lot, a, a fair number that I saw that aren't perfect. But the thing that's so intrigued me about it is that if you look at the sculptures of their, the, the, of the animals that they had and the sculptures of their, uh, their kings and their leadership, and even their gods. They're very stylized, and they're compared to these stones, they're almost slapdash. It's almost mm-hmm. like, yeah, let's go ahead and get this knocked out so we can work on this rock, right. this round rock. And so, of course, there some of them are lined up, and and you know, for for astronomical observation and stuff like that. And the architecture, again, of their dwellings and their cities was really surprisingly advanced and adapted to, I mean, a lot of these things were in a floodplain. And so they were raised up so that the floor didn't get wet when the rainy season hit and it flooded. I mean, and a lot of this stuff is very, it's kind of common sense sort of thing, but Mm -hmm. it's also elegant in the execution 
and shows just how brilliant the minds were that came up with these things. And so when you look at that, and then you look at these stones, and you, you, you realize that the amount of time and effort and whatnot that they took on these is really staggering even compared to the statue they made of, you know, King, mm-hmm. whoever. Well, and, you know, you, you, sent me a, you had sent me a couple of pictures via right. text messages, and I had, you know, it inspired me to, or sent, sparked me to even look it up on the Internet. And, you know, you're looking, and I look at these, and that's like one of the questions I had. I'm like, well, you know, I'm seeing well, these- Round stones. Why are you making? What purpose were they? Were they there to serve? Because you well, wouldn't think they would just be bored and say, well, "Hey, okay, we're going to make a bunch of damn stone balls to lay right. around." Them. And again, some of these are like—I mean, then some of them are made out of granite. Okay, and that's and not are, easy to make round. Yeah, and in a six-inch diameter, you know, six-foot diameter. I wow. mean, they're big. Okay, some of them are small, but some of them are big. <clears throat> and one of the things that you know they they appear to be arranged a lot of them in constellations and whatnot. Hmm. It's really difficult to say that that's accurate because again during the colonialization period a lot of these things were stolen, moved, they just dug them up and got them out of the way oh, because right. yeah. well because they were but, even less important at that point, right. to the colonizers. Right, exactly. Now, one of them, and I think I sent you a picture of this, is really difficult to tell, but on one end, as you're coming through, on one end, and of course, at this point, I had also lost about, you know, about about four pints of blood to the local mosquito population because I, I neglected to bring any off. Uh-oh. Um, the, uh, it had like a stone monolith, very similar to something like a tiny Stonehenge mm-hmm. on one end. And then on the other end, it looked almost like it was a school teaching people how to make these rocks. I mean, some of them were gorgeous, hmm. beautifully rounded. Uh, and that was one of the, uh, the, the, the comments that, uh, you know, my, uh, my guide that was with me, made now he said of course he had you know he he said he was almost joking when he said that but he was talking about there was one of them that was very poorly rounded and and you know he's like yeah that one they were having the conversation are you sure that you really want to be a sculptor there's lots of other things that, that must have been the one i was working on <laughs> but it did look as if they had a school teaching how to make those. But now again, we can't be sure that those were all in situ or if they had been just gathered up or what, Mm -hmm. but it was very easy to conceptualize that this was a school where they were showing you how to make the boulders, how to align them using these posts with the stars and in the cluster. So it was very easy to imagine that that was the case. Right now, there's no written record, okay? Well, that would make too much sense. Right, and so there's there's nothing that we can go through. And, and, and if there was one, it was probably destroyed long ago. Uh, but oh, we haven't really, yet discovered it yet. That's entirely possible as well. But it was actually, I mean, be, it was beyond fascinating to me, especially the part with, why they took so much time to make these rounded stones and so much less time to make the uh, their their totems and whatnot. Uh, they were they they looked crude uh, by comparison mm-hmm. it to my eyes. So that was what was fascinating to me. So these stones, were of a vast importance to them for one reason or another in my rarely humble estimation. But I can tell you two things. One, it is well worth the time to take a uh, trip to see this museum. The museum is lovely. They are in... Uh, in well, industry. and from what I understand, they're just not at the museum. They're like... Because uh, I, I want to say... 
if I remember correctly, when I was in the Capitol building, there were some of these stones that were actually displayed in front of their legislative assembly building. Some of them are. Some of them have been moved and recovered and mm-hmm. whatnot. Uh, a lot of them are um, are reproductions. Oh, okay, okay. Because I know, like, when I was there, you know, I didn't take a tour or go to the museum, but I had, you know, obviously with the company, there are locals that work there in Costa Rica. And one mm-hmm. of the things that um, one of the younger guys was telling me is that his parents had always told him and the, what he had learned was that these were um, remnants from Atlantis and stuff well, that's like that. Well, so, and again, that is one of the things there, the, the amount of evidence that there was a, uh, is it pre, is it antediluvian, I guess is the correct word, pre-flood? Pre, yeah, pre-flood, um, right, big pre-flood. Right, um, culture that existed that was wiped out in the Great Flood. Mm-hmm. And there are so many cultures that talk about the Great Flood that it absolutely had to have been a real thing. Right. Now, was it a worldwide conflagration? I don't know. I mean, I wasn't there. Nobody took a videotape of it that I'm aware of. So, but there was something and it was advanced. But if anybody has one, send it to our email address and we'll look at it. Absolutely. And we'll comment on it as well. But yeah, so it's very much worth going. And I think that the museum itself is, it it is on, it is an archaeological site. It is an archaeological dig. Mm -hmm. And uh, it is absolutely, there's a portion of it that is outside and it is very well kept up. It is gorgeous. It is very well worth going to. Extremely intriguing. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, I highly recommend it. Highly, highly, highly recommend it. Well, you know, th- and I think that's one of the things we need to look at doing too. Is you know, one of the things is my travel now is, <coughs> excuse me, a little bit limited due to mm-hmm. baby dog, and where mm-hmm. I can take said baby dog. Because I would hate to have to create an international incident. Oh, I understand. And about them trying to tell me I couldn't have baby dog when, trust me, I'm going to have baby dog if I have oh, to get into the country illegally and be illegal. How are you on procuring your reentry benefits as an illegal alien new to our country? Well, sadly, the uh, the Costa Ricans are far uh, more uh, strict about uh, illegal alien stuff than the United States is. I know that's a huge shocker. And so I was unable to make I, that attempt. I'm telling you, I know about the other countries because I am tell you, when I went to the UK, mm-hmm. or many times when I went to the UK, they're going to ask you how long you're going to be there, when you're leaving, mm-hmm. that you got to prove you got enough money to be there. In some instances, depending on what part of the world you're from, I was Mm -hmm. there when they were telling a woman that she was going to have to post an equivalent of like a $25,000 bond for her relatives to come in saying they were going to leave when they were supposed to. Oh, yeah. Well, so and that's one of the things I uh, my flight came in at a different time than my girlfriend. And so uh, I was there before she was. And as I was going through customs, they get to the point where they're we're in customs. And I didn't know where we were staying. She did. She had made the oh, she had made done the reservations and everything. And so I show up and he's like, well, where are you staying? And I said, I don't know. And he said, okay, well, who are you here with? And I gave him uh, her first and last name. Mm-hmm. And he looks at me, he says, Costa Ricans have four names. And I said, that is the first time I have ever heard that. I don't know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> so he fortunately, though, the, he let me into the country after I showed him my return ticket. But uh, I was not going to be allowed <laughs> into the country because I was lacking two names and a destination. <laughs> well, I still go back to the episode we had last, the last published episode, which I believe was on the 18th. Did you finally get used to having the swipe or credit card to turn the lights on in the hotel? 
Well, yeah, that was a, that, that was a short, uh, short lived situation, but I did wind up, uh, someone had broken the shower <laughs> in the room that I was in. So once I got the lights on, I wound up, uh, in my typical fashion of, uh, being Mr. Fix it wound up, uh, repairing the, uh, the, did uh, you send shower. Them a deal? No, but they were very upset that I had done that instead of calling them to let them take care of it. It was like, well, I wanted to take a shower. <laughs> funny that. I needed water to come out of the right parts. Funny, yeah, funny that. <laughs> but it was, again, it was absolutely breathtakingly beautiful countryside. Uh, some of the friendliest, kindest, and most genuinely open and loving people that I have ever met in my life. And, uh, you know, I find that, you know, in travels, you know, and I don't travel nowhere near as much as I used to. Mm -hmm. And I'm not meaning this in a derogatory fashion, but if you get convicted by this, then that's your own fault, not mine. Mm -hmm. I have tended to learn that people outside of the United States Mm-hmm. are more open and compassionate than people inside just in the next town or the oh, next yeah. town over or the two towns over. And they tend to be more, uh, they just tend to be more open and genuine people. We just have well, raised a bunch of generations of bastards. Well, and that's because of their, you know, they, they have common cultures. They have common cultural events, common things. Right. That they well, do. and see, we don't have and that have, because we're yep. a, we do not that have been, American identity anymore. Right. That has been beaten out of us by the primarily the Department of Education is the ones that have done the most damage in my in my research to the American experience, as it were. Um, I'm going to be honest you, with you. I still don't consider myself an American. I'm a North Carolinian. Well, again, and that was the, and you and I have discussed this before, North Carolina and South Carolina, well, Georgia, all of the South was very different before the influx of, of Yankees came mm-hmm. in here. And, uh, you know, again, and that's the way it's supposed to be. You're supposed to be a North Carolinian. I'm right. supposed to be a South Carolinian, but, uh, and now, and, but together we make up the United States, but again, right, because it, it, even though we had differences that the differences were supposed mm-hmm. to be more of a localized, right. Well, you know, it, the differences were localized, the common mm-hmm. effort or the common good, which the federal government was supposed to do was supposed to be for national defense and stuff like that. Absolutely. That each individual state was supposed to make up their own mind about what they wanted to do and how they wanted to do it. It didn't give a damn how California did it, how South Carolina did it, or how anybody mm-hmm. else did it. When you were in the confines of this state, this is how mm-hmm. it was done. Right. And the and federal again, government I- didn't have any jurisdiction or any right to stick its nose in. And I will contend to my dying breath that it still does not have. No, it right still does not. It, it absolutely does not. It, it is absolutely. And that's right. part of the redneck agenda, baby. Yeah, man. And I thought well, we were right there with politics you. and I'm the one doing it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> hey, I'm willing to let you roll with it, big guy. Because well, you I know, agree. I'm on a coffee high, baby. You don't ever know what's going to happen. Well, yeah. And that's, uh, you know, so I'm, I'm right there with you. I did see, uh, I haven't done much with the news. Um, well, it's really. all bad. Well, I mean, I don't watch it much anymore. I did see where that new, was it Argentina, the new president of Argentina? He pretty much, yeah, he pretty much told the Russians and the Chinese to go F themselves. He wasn't doing a deal with neither one of them. Well, good. I just thought thought it was interesting that you had a politician to add some balls because God knows we ain't had one in a long time. Well, that's the thing that's wonderful about him is his goal is to wipe out the permanent bureaucracy in Argentina. Mm-hmm. And we need we need some more of that in the United States. Because well, I'm on and I'm on to probably piss a lot of people off by saying this. And, I'm shocked and appalled. Well, and I really don't care. <laughs> I mean, we are we may get less listeners and stuff like that. But you know what? I really don't give a shit. It don't make any difference to me. Mm-hmm. I really don't want Donald Trump to run. <laughs> well, because I honestly, my gut feeling is mm-hmm. he brings it's too much chaos, and I don't think 
it is going to be conducive to moving what is best for America forward by having him in the White House. Not saying that he well, can't do it. I'm just saying that the chaos that comes around him. But where does that chaos come from is my question. Well, that's and, the, thing that's I would the ask part that we're about. trying to figure out because a lot of it he does himself because he don't know when to shut up. There's some truth to that, but the vast majority of that chaos that, that comes is from permanent Washington who does not want to be removed. Right. Okay. Or even found out. I mean, again, you saw recently the, uh, the uh, information about how many of these uh, senators and, and, and uh, congressmen are compromised in sex rings and stuff like that. And, and I thought, that's I thought, why I thought that was all of them. Well, pretty much, yeah. I mean, and that's because why I they, thought they, that was proven and shown back during the Franklin Savings and Loan scandal back in the late 80s, early 90s, when they had White House logs that these absolutely. male prostitutes, underage male prostitutes, were absolutely. in the White House. But again, it's been brushed over, and the media no longer reports on the truth and the facts, they report on the propaganda to prop up the existing permanent Washington. So again, they're all in this massive malaise of, 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 of um, the word just went out of my head, uh, corruption. They just a and, bunch of bastards is what it boils down to. Well, and that's the thing. So the point being that, that you know, that I would point out is the, the, the chaos that's associated with Trump, I think, is associated more with permanent, the permanent federal government, the permanent bureaucracy, not wanting anybody to upset their apple cart. Right. Now, I don't care about Trump one way or another, personally. I truly don't. Okay. I think that it is absolutely reprehensible that any of these states will prevent the public, I mean, this is something that everybody should be aware of. The fact that they're going through and removing him or attempting to remove him from the ballot mm -hmm. based on the, on the 14th amendment. I want to ask you a question. I'm going to ask you a question. You're a student of history. Yes, sir. When was the last time they tried to remove a political candidate from the ballot? In the United States? Mm-hmm. Um, I really, my, my, I'm wanting to say it was Abraham Lincoln. You are 100% correct. Yeah. And that was also part of the causation of the conflict between the states. Absolutely. Yeah. And so again, Which, I mean, it brings me to another interesting point. You know, we talk about how the South seceded and they were traitors and all this stuff, but mm -hmm. Abraham Lincoln says and believe that secession was legal. Well, it is. It is. And here and here's I find you know, I find useless information everywhere. I'm a font of useless information. And this is a quote of what Abraham Lincoln said on the House of the US House floor of representatives in eighteen forty eight. Says any people anywhere being inclined in having the power have the right to rise up and shake mm -hmm. off the existing government and form a new one that suits them better. This Absolutely. is a most valuable a most sacred right, a right which we yes. hope and believe is to liberate the world. Nor is this right confined to cases in which the whole people of an existing government may choose to exercise it. Any portion of such people that can may revolutionize and make their own of so much of the territory as they inhabit. Mm -hmm. no, and that's very accurate and, and beautifully said and is something that we need to consider even to this day. The point being that it, it, you know, it is, it should be plainly obvious to anyone that's paying any attention whatsoever that the, uh, at least on a federal level, uh, and I would even contend on a state and in some cases, even a local level, that the government is no longer uh, providing or, or uh, working towards the benefit of the citizenry. It is. No, so, and, and I would say it probably hasn't since Lyndon Johnson and the great society. I'd say you're probably correct. I think, you know, there's, there's plenty of finger pointing that can be well, done. I mean, we know yeah. the famous quote 
that the reason people are voting Democrat, obviously, oh, absolutely. that Lyndon yeah, Johnson absolutely. said that came true. Right. And I'm not going to say it, but no, it uh, obviously proved to be 100% correct. Well, and again, with every single every single iteration of the presidency, really since Eisenhower. Uh, now, granted, Kennedy was, you know, Kennedy's presidency was never completed because he was assassinated because he was going to go after military industrial. Yep. He was going after the CIA. He was going after the CIA. He was going after the federal reserve and he was going uh, after the military industrial complex. Well, I mean, the CIA lied to him, so they killed him. Yeah, absolutely. And so there, you know, but, but every single president since that point, there has been, you know, and even my favorite, president of Ronald Reagan. Uh, there was a dark side and, you know, the, the junk bond uh, bubble and scandal that mm-hmm. wiped out the federal savings and loans um, was part and parcel to the, uh, to, to the policies of the Reagan administration. Also, the Reagan administration are the ones that put this, uh, and I can't remember the name of the bill, uh, but it's the, uh, uh, it's the bill whereby um Manufacturing pharmaceutical companies cannot be, they cannot be held liable for side effects of the vaccines. Now, the reason that that was put in place was they were going to stop making the vaccines. And, Mm -hmm. you know, quite frankly, smallpox, rubella, those vaccines need to be made because that's what they flared back up here lately as well. Correct, because people are so. You know, I have you know an interesting take on that not being um, able to be held responsible for the side effects. As as you know, I'm going through a situation now. You know, Mm -hmm. we all will find ourselves in sooner or later as our parents age and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. Um, You know, my mother is dealing with Alzheimer's now. You know, my grandfather had it. And, you yeah. know, I have, this is not my first time dealing with it, obviously. So, you know, the the steps and the stuff. But um, one thing that we did not know and was not printed on the side of the, uh, as a side effect, which has now been proven, is my mother, my mother was a school teacher all her life. She uh-huh. taught for almost 40 years. Mm-hmm. She taught behaviorally and emotionally handicapped kids. Some say she had a lot of practice on me um, that I'll, you know, that's up for interpretation. Depends. Some days, yes. Some days, no. Depends on if I've had my medication or not. But anyway, you know, like most people during the age, she got called up to where, you know, she was, you know, some, some battling depression and stuff. And, you know, it was at a time to when you really didn't talk about it. You just kind of went secretly to a doctor and did what she needed to do. Well, the yeah. doctor had prescribed my mother a antidepressant called Paxil. Okay. Well, one of the known side effects that apparently, because I've never seen it on any of the drugs bottles that she had, or if when you read it, is mm-hmm. it's been known to cause Alzheimer's. That's intriguing. I really... Or that's what I have been told. Her doctor. I have not seen that in writing myself, but that's what her doc, her Alzheimer's doctors have told us. Well, and and one of the things that it, it seems very uh, obvious to me is one of the things that is a contributing factor to dementia and Alzheimer's and all of these is the uh, is blood flow. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these uh, medications, especially the mRNA. Uh, shot is one that uh, seems to adversely affect uh, blood flow in many cases. And that's something that uh, that really needs. Well, again, the bottom line is that all of this stuff that is based purely on the almighty dollar and profits um, really needs to come back to and be held accountable for the damage that they're doing to the population. And again, mm-hmm. this is something that overall, that's one of the things that we need as a citizen, as a, the citizenry of the United States, we need to get together and stop tolerating this. That It's just not tolerable. It is only tolerable that 
our government entities provide for the citizenry that supports them rather than just the citizenry being an, an, an inexhaustible uh, bank account for the the for the uh, these government entities. Well, I mean, because it's, obviously it, it's more lucrative to treat something than it is to cure it. Oh, absolutely. You, know, you hear the you hear the um, the old Every, adage is they could have canceled, they could have cured it twenty years ago, but they can't make any money because it's not going to get the senators and the congress people elected by big packs of big drug companies and big pharma to cure anything. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And that is the sad state of affairs that we're in. Well, that brings me back, you know, you know, I harp on this a lot and, you know, I think about this a lot, Mm -hmm. particularly every month when my dog's health insurance comes out of my bank account. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, I'm looking at this and I can't, everything, 90% of everything is covered mm-hmm. for the dog. Okay. Mm-hmm. Medications, all hundred percent of wellness. So like your physical, all that crap. And, you know, I'm thinking back before Obamacare and my insurance premium that I paid was not much more than what I pay for my dog now. And I got right. the same benefits. And yet now, my cheapest insurance payment, and it doesn't cover anything until I spend twelve grand, is five hundred dollars a month, and that is just absolutely stupid. Oh no, my I remember very clearly the that my healthcare costs increased by four hundred percent as soon as the Affordable Care Act went into place. Now, my uh, I had a relative who was not taking care of. Uh, her own um, healthcare costs and was not insured and all of that stuff. And it was wonderful for her and from right. her perspective because now I had to essentially pay for her healthcare. Uh, but yeah, my, uh, I had, uh, I was a single father raising mm-hmm. three kids by myself and all of my kids, of course, were on uh, my uh, on, on my health plan, and right. my costs went up four hundred percent. And I was not able to keep the same doctor that I well, had. see. I wasn't able to keep mine either. And right. here's you know, an interesting thing because you know this just came it's happening to me now. Is uh, I would pay cash to go see the doctor that I go see. Uh-huh. Because the copay under the insurance was only six dollars cheaper than the right cash price, and why am I going to spend five hundred dollars a month to save twelve dollars right. a year? That's just absolutely exactly. stupid. So and the answer is that most people don't realize that their copay is only five or six dollars less than what they would pay if they paid cash. Right. Out of- so I call my my doctor. Unfortunately, COVID. She had left a a main practice and had gone out Mm -hmm. on her own. COVID kind of, you know, it hurt all businesses, including healthcare professionals. Mm -hmm. And so she was unable to continue to stay out independently of her own. So she went in with another group of doctors in Mm -hmm. Greensboro, which is, you know, the big city, one of the bigger cities near me. And uh, so I call up to make an appointment. And first off, I'm not real happy because before when I called at her office, somebody would answer the phone. You talk to Mm. somebody. Now they answer the phone. You get transferred to four different people, and then you have to leave a voicemail. And they may or may not call you back. You don't know. So Mm -hmm. finally the girl calls me back, and I happen to be at the office because I left my office number that day just for the all fact of my cell phone catching it as a spam call or something like that. And so I'm talking to this girl. Now, mind you, I have not seen her, this doctor, since she's in with this practice that she's with now. Mm-hmm. So I'm talking to her about getting an appointment, telling her, because I had missed the one in October because I was out of town and mm-hmm. uh, I needed to reschedule. I needed to get an appointment and I also had a few questions. Mm-hmm. And so I'm a little leery about going to see her at this practice because the most important question they could not answer was what is the cash price for a consultation? 
And they said, well, I don't know, but they'll give you 30% off if you pay cash. And I'm like, well, then tell me what the price is for a cash consultation. Because otherwise, I'm not coming. Right. And I've had that conversation myself with uh, some of my healthcare professionals that I have walked out of their office because I've told them, look, I'm paying cash. Uh, you're going to tell me how much this is going to cost before I leave your office. I'm not doing this. I'll just bill you after the fact. You're going to tell me what it's going to cost me before I walk in or I'm leaving your office now. They don't care for that. You know, I work hard for the money that I have and I spend and I don't have a problem spending it because I buy it. You know, you know me well. I don't have a problem spending money on some of the dumbest shit out there. I understand. I'm right there with you. But it's like, I, I want to know and I don't understand why if because I have a roundabout idea to know what she makes. So why do I, you want me to pay? I'm just going to give the example of what I have rumored that it cost on the internet. The difference when before it was $76 and now from, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but from what I've got to talk to other people that have gone there, the cash price is now 380 some dollars hmm. at this new office. And I'm sitting here thinking, I'm not paying $380 a visit to go to the Dabalum doctor, but that's still cheaper than paying for insurance. No, absolutely. It is. Absolutely. So, okay. We've come to the last ending bit of this episode. This is season two Carolina underground episode one. We're starting a new genre. We don't know what we're going to do. So let's say this is for 2023. What are our goals for this show? For 2023 or 2024? Are we in 2020? Yeah, we'll be in 20. We're in 2024. See, I'm still yep. writing it on checks too. <laughs> well, there you go. So 2024, I, what are our goals for this show? Uh, to entertain people and maybe give them a reason to be a little bit closer together uh, with their neighbors. How's that? That's a pretty good goal. I you I always knew you were the kind loving one out of the two of us. <laughs> well, I appreciate that, my friend. Mine was a little bit different. All right. For 2024, I'm going to tell you the unvarnished truth, good, bad, or ugly. And if you get pissed off, I don't care because the truth is the truth and a fact is a fact. A boy has a penis and a girl has a vagina. There ain't no way to get around it. That's just the way it is. And that is the snout to the curly fucking tail and everything in between. (laughs) And we gone. Have a good evening. You've been listening to the Carolina Underground. Our passion is to talk about technology, history, media, politics, and how it's all changed over the years and affects our daily life as Gen Xers. We hope you've enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, rate, and review. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on Twitter at CarolinaUNDGRND. Hit the website at www.thecarolinaunderground.com. And if you've got questions or comments, send an email to info at thecarolinaunderground.com. Stay Gen X strong. See you next time on the Carolina Underground.